0: in the name of the crucified and risen Christ. Amen. Amen. I think this morning calls for a little congregational participation. While i will not able to see the response so of those of you worshiping with us online, I'm confident you're going to join in. So, please raise your hand if at any or various times in your life, you have felt unworthy of God's love. Yep, that's what I thought. I could reflect on the honesty of anyone here who did not raise their hands, but I actually didn't see anyone here who raise their hands, so I'm going to have to go there. It is clearly a well-known a universal feeling. But as a Christian and as a preacher, I have to tell you that if you think—and I think—that we are unworthy of God's love, we are correct. That's just true. We can all list some of the reasons we may feel that way. We can't the religious pain, Probably start saying the Ten Commandments. I know I would find covetousness and failing to worship only God, which is to say trusting only God, on my list. Like also, alas, taking the Lord's name in vain. But if we head into our lives apart from the church, we can no doubt leave other failings, maybe a host of them, quite readily. There are some obvious causes some of us know, like irrational behavior, lies, small or large, maybe an inability to forgive. We can all name some. Of course, some people get told by the wider world that they are unworthy of love or respect from anyone, let alone God. Our world is in turmoil because of the eons of discrimination based on religion, national origin, color, age, gender, and on and on and on. Which is why I'm delighted today that we happen to have the story of the Ethiopian unit. We don't know a lot about it, but we do know some pretty interesting stuff. We know he's coming back from Jerusalem where he had gone to worship. That's intriguing because he can't be a Jew because he's being a eunuch would have foreclosed a membership. He might, though, be a proselyte, someone wanting to enter into the life of Judaism, even if it meant doing that from the edges. That would explained in reading Isaiah. He's an Ethiopian, so definitely black. Not a problem in Ethiopia, but a problem then among Semitic peoples. He was, as noted, a Yudic, problematic in a host of places, of various options for his life completely closed off. But he has a good job in charge of the treasury for the canvas. Queen of Ethiopia, but that still means, even in court, he's not exactly a free man. So, there are plenty of reasons you might assume he's not exactly who God has in mind, given how our religions of his side, and frankly of our own, to find oblivious. But God will not be constrained. So here is this Ethiopian sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah and finding it pretty hard to understand. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I expect a fair number of us to count ourselves reading passages of the Bible and wait wake up. fortunately, Philip is something there. The Holy Spirit works really hard in this passage. And Philip asks the unit if he knows what he's reading. No, I need someone to explain it. So Philip, undeterred by all the things, all a lot of things that would make him wary of this man, hops on up into the chariot and begins to talk about this passage. It's about a suffering servant that's a very important portion of Scripture for Jews. And it's also one that Christians believe points to Christ as the long promised servant who shall redeem all his people. This is, in fact, the first account of this passage being explained that way. Compelled by Philip's explanation the Ethiopian decides he wants to follow Jesus and knows, and we don't know how, that baptism is involved. And there they are, going down the road, and suddenly there is water. He boldly asks, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Philip apparently can't think of anything, and into the water they go. Both of them conversed. And when the Ethiopian and Philip come up out of the water, Philip is spirited away, the correct use of that term, and the Ethiopian continues on his journey home. So what's going to be different for the Ethiopian when he gets there? Absolutely nothing visible. Still black, still a unit, still in service. But he is changed, for he knows he has been made worthy to stand before God, and he knows no matter what the world or the circumstances of his life suggest that he is fully loved. And so, in the most essential way, he is fully free. Now, the Ethiopian is not my e, about who he was in the eyes of the world, and he was even someone willing to claim his ignorance, but he had somehow, somewhere, heard and believed that God might choose to love him anyway, and he risked asking for that gift. I am pretty confident that there is no Ethiopian unit worshiping with us today. But his story, as different as it seems from ours, is our story. For his story is about owning who you are, all of it, and then going right ahead and trusting that God can love you anyway and in, in every way. No exceptions. Our worth does not depend on what we do, does not depend on our genetic inheritance, nor does it depend on our personal history. Our work, our value, is a gift, a gift from God, the God who loved us from the beginning of creation. We claim that truth by being grafted into Christ, the vine and source of life that flows through us and can help us bear fruit, fruit worthy even of God. I am the vine, you are the branches, says Jesus. Apart from the vine, the branch has no life for itself, it just falls to the ground. But grafted into Christ, All things become possible. Filled by Christ Himself, we can make the glory of God visible, helping to feed and nourish and change the world through God's love. Today is our annual meeting. We'll hear a bit, and the annual report says quite a lot about the ways in which we seek to be a community of faith. We've talked a lot in the past few years about the beloved community. That is not our creation. That is not our creation, it is God's. It is the community of all people who granted into the love of God that flows through Jesus. Our calling is to use the unearned gift of being grafted into Christ, and to know that that new life starts in baptism, is fed by scripture, is nourished by prayer, and expressed by our witness to God's love in the world. And we are nourished again and again as we are fed by the sacrament, receiving Christ on the When we own that gift, it bears fruit. And like Philip, we will know that if we, and everyone, is meant to know God's love. So, that's the beginning, so at the end. A show of hands, please. Even if tentatively, who here? is willing to start owning who you really are and, nonetheless, trust that God can love you any way and in every way. Amen.